What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain there are three reasons you might drink tea You'd like the taste, you want a lower caffeine alternative to coffee, or maybe you just like a good cuppa in the afternoon. Whatever the reason, you have a variety of tea options to choose from. Black, white, and green teas all derive from the common tea leaf, Camellia sinensis. But to us, there's one tea that leads the rest, purple tea. A crossbred variety of Camellia sinensis developed in Kenya, purple tea grows at up to 7,500 feet elevation. This exposes it to ultraviolet light, causing the plant to produce high levels of polyphenols and anthocyanins, compounds that protect the tea leaves from damage and contribute to their unique flavor. These same compounds are also found in berries, grapes, and other fruits and vegetables and account for their dark red and purple colors. And just like those foods, when consumed by humans, they help scavenge free radicals. King tea contains 16.5% more polyphenols than other teas, making its cell-protecting properties greater. It also scavenges free radicals at a rate of 51%, compared to just 34.3% for green tea. At the same time, it contains only 5% caffeine, which is less than some green tea extracts, so it won't get you wired or jittery. Purple tea is almost 10% EGCG. A type of polyphenol, studies have shown it helps promote a healthy cardiovascular system and assists with weight management. Purple tea doesn't just share the same cell-protecting compounds as dark-colored fruits, it offers a similar flavor as well, silky smooth with mild sweetness. If green tea tastes grassy to you, purple tea will be the nectar of the gods. Plant medicine journeys have been a part of my life since I was 18 years old and did a vision quest in the mountains with psilocybin, and it completely changed my paradigm on who we are. I used to think, ah, oh, we're just a mind in a monkey body, and that's pretty much it. And then I had my vision quest and realized that we're something else, a force of consciousness that's animating this human body and behind the mind, the observer of the mind itself. And since then, I've been on countless plant medicine journeys. And this last plant medicine journey to see Don Howard Lawler, who I affectionately call Gandalf the White. I did a podcast with him. If you guys want to listen to that, that was fantastic. But I was able to do three Wachuma Mesadas. And Wachuma is the San Pedro cactus. It's a mescaline active ingredient. And I was able to do it with some of my best friends on the planet. And two of those guys, Caitlin Howe, and Kyle Kingsbury are here to talk about the experience. I can't wait to share everything that went down. It was an intense, wild journey. This is gonna be part one, and when part two comes up, you'll get a little bit more info on my accident, which happened in between the recordings of part one and part two. So stay tuned, I hope you enjoy the podcast, and make sure to follow both Kyle and Caitlin on social. What's up, everybody? Here I am with my closest family, actually legitimately, ceremonially, my closest acknowledged family, Kyle Kingsbury, who you've met before on this podcast, and he also runs the On It podcast, and Caitlin Howe, my former fiance. We had a six-year whirlwind tour together, lived together for at least five of those years. 
and had an amazing time. She's now one of my best friends in the world and recently um, acknowledged as Tribe Between Us, which is something we might get a chance to talk about. It's probably four books down the road, so don't get too excited, everybody, looking about information on this, but it's a way to reimagine um, tribal living in a modern context, and Kyle was the first acknowledged member of that, so that's why when I say my closest family, this is uh, what I'm talking about. But the reason we're gathered here now is to discuss our recent trip down to South America, down to see the old wizard himself, Don Howard Lawler, and visit the medicine of Chavin, an ancient culture that thrived in Peru several thousand years ago, and the way that they practiced, balancing masculine and feminine energies, utilizing and harnessing the Wachuma cactus, which is a uh, mescaline-derived psychedelic. You might have heard me talk about it on the podcast with Don Howard. And going through three mesas leading up to an experience with Vilca, which is, how would you describe it, Kyle? Ayahuasca on steroids. (laughs) Ayahuasca on steroids. It is the strongest visually inclusive DMT experience available. Like there's and nothing long. and long. It's, it's so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing for for DMT. I think for you, window, it was longer yeah. than for most. Ninety people. minutes of DMT is yeah, it's a long it's time. A long time, especially at the. I mean, ayahuasca can have more than ninety minutes of DMT, but it's not at this intensity. No. You know, it's not at this like overwhelming. Like for people who've smoked DMT, there's that initial rush that can be pretty overwhelming. But imagine that just being the starting point and then having it ramp up over the next like 45 minutes. A wild, wild experience. They called Vilca, which is the crushed seed pod of uh, a tree that grows in arid climates in Central and South America. Um, they called it the sacred. That's what Vilca literally translates to, the sacred. And it was used as uh, they would do it out in the catacombs, out in silence, underneath the, in the crypts of Chavin, and in the crypts. Uh, in the crypts. I know, and right? We do snort it up a human finger bone. We snort it up a human finger bone too. And so, so it, it's it's snuffed. This powdered seed that's snuffed. And Don Howard gives you two choices when you go up there. He warns you that you know, asks you if you're ready to die first of all, and then once you say yes, he gives you two choices. He's like this one is a seal bone and it's carved with a condor and it's all pretty and nice. And then he goes, this one is a human finger bone. And I was doing Vilka with Caitlin and Caitlin goes, I'll go with the finger bone. <laughs> like a gangster. I mean, you can't not. Yeah. If you're going to do it. You have to. Do it all the way. Yeah, yeah. do it all the way. Uh, you've done Wachuma before. Oh. So let's get Kyle's opinion as a first timer and then for you as it evolves and then we'll go around to me to discuss kind of our learnings from this plant and just the interactions and understandings yeah i didn't i didn't i tried to leave expectations off the table and obviously it's still hard anytime you've heard trip reports or you know people liken it to a thousand hits of molly or like this you know and it really yeah, that it sets is, expectations kind of high right yeah that sets it high you know and i'm like well it's not even 100 it's hits of molly but it's its own thing right and yeah. it's and it is like plant based molly in in many ways the first day i didn't feel the medicine come on strong and i was a little disappointed with that but then i just i kept getting this redirect and it was a theme that i that happened to me all week on all three mesas with wachuma was at any time that i had you know i'd set an intention i'd wrote different questions i was working on things that were important in my life anytime i would think about those it would just redirect me like, no, be here. And it would show me whatever we were doing was more important, like in the present moment, right now. And um, so that first day, you know, we went out and uh, met up with a tribe and there was a ton of kids there, you know, and I was really missing uh, our son Bear. And I was there with my wife who also had a very light, almost non-feeling day one. But in that moment, it was like just play, which has been such a, it's been a reoccurring theme in many ceremonies that I've done with ayahuasca and psilocybin mushrooms to not take things so serious and to just play. And as I did that, then I really felt like I was experiencing the love and what people talk about, you know, because it was such a blast 
to chase kids around and play soccer. And, yeah, and I can't and wait nature. to release. I can't <laughs> wait to release some of the hilarity of these videos because I likened him to Odin walking out of the jungle, like <laughs> like to, to, to these kids, you know, seeing Kyle come out, like and just hypothesizing the amount of protein is that's required <laughs> to sustain an animal of that size. You know, it was just it was a really special moment. But I think the key lesson here and that'll come up with Wachuma is. It'll give you a choice. You had the choice to either be in your head about, man, I wish I was feeling more. I wish I was home with Bear. I wish all of these other things that would have taken you out of that moment. Or you make the correct choice, which is what you did, and say, ah, well, I do miss Bear. It would have been cooler to have a stronger dose, but here I am now. So what's the maximum I can do at this moment to enjoy this experience? And you made that choice, and then the medicine ended up being transformative not just for you but that was a powerful moment for multiple people in the group you know other people with parents other people who were able to see you interact in that level and laugh that hard and it became a, a rippling transformative experience based on a choice that you made because Wachuma was just like hey what do you want to do bud you want to think about you know your dosing and think about you know your kid at home or you want to play and have fun and you get rewarded always in machuma for making that positive choice yeah yeah the, it was it was baked right in i mean in in the feeling was baked in you know like as i did the thing as i as i played with the kids and played soccer and chased them around and wrestled with them like it just expanded that field of like pure love and contentment and really just feeling like a lot of the takeaways that i would get post ayahuasca i was getting in the moment with wachuma mm -hmm. you know like that lingering sense of well-being it was right now yeah and, and um, it's a more instant feedback because there's more choice mm -hmm. you know ayahuasca is kind of like surrender and learn and wachuma is like learn now <laughs> like practice and learn now <laughs> yeah yeah and what do you want to do right yeah, what if do you, you want, want to, to practice here's here's your opportunity yeah, yeah. definitely yeah exactly yeah. what do you feel the what do you feel the first uh mesa well, um, I think there's a little bit of, there can be a disadvantage when you've already experienced it because that you come in with expectations or, you know, a sense of like the sophomoric attitude of like, oh, I've already done this, you know, so you, it can go either direction. You might be a bit disappointed or you can, you know, just not even access the medicine because you're just in your head about, you know, I've already done this, I know what I'm doing. But I didn't really, um, I didn't have a super strong, it wasn't my strongest day. It was for me very maternal, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, it was very maternal energy and we called in um, mother medicine that day. And I think that that kind of uh, speaks to the unified energy of our group. You know, Kyle was having some of those like longings, familial longings, and I had a lot of um, stepping into my, my power as a woman and and harnessing maternal energy and like really feeling called you know to birth my creative children to birth my um actual future potential children hopefully um but uh but it was it was um it was really like really smooth and connected and i felt a, a, a real ancestral energetic element so uh, relating to my own feelings of maternal love and then also like just the sense of generations before the the ancestral power of the land and everything that was around us being in the tribes you know it, it for me was like an it was it was calling in everything that had come before us and mm. really kind of dancing with that um i think so that's that was the beauty of the, of the tradition of the ceremony that don howard provides i mean this is I wouldn't say an unbroken line because it seems like it was lost for a little while and don howard kind of reignited it but it's a tradition that has been flourishing for thousands of years and it's not something that we just invented like oh that's wouldn't this be cool yeah. <laughs> you know it's like there's a lineage that goes on in connecting with the bigger spirits the greater spirits like what we're asking for in these mesas is to connect with large macro elements like water earth air mother father you know like these deeper connections these deeper teachers uh, the master teachers that we can that are all around us and i think that's the invitation that we have you know for me this was my eighth ninth and tenth uh wachuma ceremonies and um i've i've gone both i've had the absolute hilarity and enjoyment and the absolute just bone crushing challenge of the of the medicine 
And because for me, it brings everything that's present for me, it brings it all to the surface. So any kind of social discord that might be in the group, and there is <laughs> ample social discord <laughs> in the group. And we can talk a little bit about that particularly for me because I'm with a lot of people that I'm romantically involved in and that's going to bring up you know any latent issues because that's what what human does it brings up that which has been subterranean that which has been unconscious and subconscious and brings that to the surface and says hey what do you want to do with this now you know like how do you want to deal with this and sometimes it comes visually I remember in the Maloka before our absolute hilarity with the kids you know I just laid down on the dirt for 45 minutes and was watching as the insects and these things moved through my vision. And, and that's generally a, a visual representation of me purging some energy when I see the insects coming. But it was a real challenge then. My challenge was to see all of it as one, to see it all as the unicity and to just not have a preference for, I'd rather see blue morphos in my vision <laughs> rather than cockroaches and spiders. You know, like that's a preference, but ultimately, a preference which isn't grounded in anything other than you know what i've decided is better because each serves its purpose equally valuably on the planet like we need all of the whole ecosystem in order and all the whole ecosystem is one so it's just kind of sitting with that but ultimately that first mesa was probably the most pleasant of all of them you know some visions and some fun and some hilarity and then for me you know, I successively got my ass kicked like more and more <laughs> throughout the, <laughs> I throughout say, the trip. I remember on the airplane ride there, like really feeling we, we were in a utopia of sorts as a group, like just all smiles. And you were like the sun radiant. And yeah. you're always like the sun. But I mean, your, your radiance was really getting battled with towards the end of our trip. And I saw that, you know, the, the battle you were going through and the journey that you were going through really take some take some challenging turns so it was evident <laughs> evident to yeah. the power of the medicine yeah the power of the medicine and just you know this is that's where you you learn from stress you know mm -hmm. and i think you don't do these things to be comfortable you do these things to get outside of your comfort zone i think that's one of the reasons why the jungle is the best place to do these medicines not only because of the tradition but because it's a challenging environment you know it's scary to do ayahuasca in the middle of the night in the jungle <laughs> you know so like that that brings things up a notch you know it's it's challenging to do wachuma when you're surrounded by you know insects and people and cities and all the things that we were we were doing it and that's you know that's part of the part of the magic of a it. lot of people um obviously when we return everyone's like how was it just ready for this like beautiful you know account of what we experienced and i'm like it was amazing and and valuable and tremendous but would i call it fun or like you know eh, maybe not it's work <laughs> uh, you know yeah. it really is work you know <laughs> stephanie and i my roommate there we're encountering i'd cockroach crawl across my neck in the night we didn't have hot water most of the time you know it's not like an easy environment but i wouldn't have it any other way because that's where you get to square up with your you know your the things outside of your comfort zone and the things that you don't want to look at and really understand yourself in a in a challenged environment and that's how we grow and the first time i went there i was actually by myself in 2014 for ayahuasca journey and it was terrifying you know like yeah. you if somebody you, know, you never know what you might get bit by or sick with or whatever and you're just out in a treehouse in the jungle in the amazon essentially and the bugs never you know they never quiet down and and uh, all of the challenges come to the surface at one point or another and, and it really heightens the capacity for you to grow in that environment for sure yeah and you know or if it's too much you can break a little bit <laughs> you know and i think that's there's certainly points of this trip where i was pushing the boundary between a stressor that helps you adapt and grow stronger and just something that just breaks you you know and that was the that's always the balance and that's i think the caveat with any plant medicine like you want to push yourself to the point where it's resistance and you adapt not push yourself to the point where you break overtraining is not good <laughs> overtraining in isn't good in any aspect um but you were ready for more on the second mesa yeah and 
something unprecedented happened. <laughs> One shaman, two cups. <laughs> the story never of Colin Kingsbury. <laughs> never, never before in history has Don Howard given a second cup of wachuma until he met Odin, <laughs> father of stars. Yes. Yeah. So you got a second cup for the second mesa, and uh, I can only imagine <laughs> what that must have been feeling. How did you feel about that medicine, flying. like? back-to-back cups because one cup makes gives me the shutters for sure you know i mean aubrey aubrey explained it best he's like look it is an ayahuasca but your first time you're going to be like oh this tastes great i don't see what the fuss is about and then like (laughs) each successive ceremony day you'll be like oh all right it's not exactly easy to take down right and um i kind of felt that way but i was so excited to get two cups you know like uh, my wife and i tosh we both went and talked to don howard and we're like hey you know she didn't really have a, um, a blast off experience and was hoping to get a little bit more in the next round. And he was like, well, how did you feel? And I was like, oh, it's, it's kind of light for me. You know, it's very gentle, but very light. And he's like, okay. And I uh, didn't really have an opinion about it. And then when I saw him at the Mesa for day two, he gave me that look and, and he was like, I'm going to have you stand up here when you finish your first cup and just stay here with me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I finished the first cup, poured up the second one. And the first one was to the brim. And the second cup, he's like, I'll just give you a little bit more. That was a full cup. I mean, it was like not to the brim, but it was as much as that I had day one. So even though it was, you know, not easy to, to palate, uh, I was just pumped. I was like, yeah, let's yeah, you do didn't, it. You didn't have any really hesitation excited. in your No, game. not at all. It was good. It was go time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I noticed, so in between the days, I was getting more downloads on the actual stuff that I had written out intention-wise. And there was quite a bit more as I got to the Amazon than I had really thought about prior to being there. Like as I started writing, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm concerned about this shit or I want to work on this or I want to think about this. And so in between the days, in between day one and, and day two, I was beginning to write about my experience and it just came through like this super deep knowing that everything I seek, I already have. And that's the only thing I wrote down. Like it, it was like, that's all I have to fucking write. And it's all that mattered at that point because anything that I could fill in the blank, uh, work-related, you know, starting the thing with you for on the day, uh, having a second child, all these things that are important and necessary, it's like you already have it. You're just not thinking of it in terms of the kingdom is already here, right? And like to know that within, even off medicine, it was like, oh, fuck. So when I had the second cup on day two, it was like, there's no worry or fear or thought about what's going to happen or what what will I gain from this or will I be able to iron out this stuff? It was just like trust, faith, belief. It, it's all it's all happening right now. What you're you talking know? about is for people who aren't familiar with that teaching of the kingdom is here. This is from anybody who's read the 49th Mystic is one of my favorite books to recommend. It does an excellent job presenting this ancient, you know, mystical teaching. Um, that's been around for a long time and it's it really is one step beyond faith it's almost faith is a belief in a future event that's going to happen roughly you know but this is actually taking it even further it's a belief in a future event that's so strong that you actually see that future event as already having happened and you already accept and acknowledge that in your physical mental psychic presences oh that's already happened and when you read something like Joe Dispenza's You Are the Placebo, like it's that kind of belief that, and that kind of knowing that actually facilitates the healing of something like the placebo effect, right? Like you take a sugar pill that you think is gonna heal you, you think that you're already being healed. It's not like, I think in the future, maybe I'll be healed from, that doesn't do it. But if you do something and you believe that it's already happened, that's when it actually takes effect. And that's when you're actually able to live in that state. So part of it is adjusting your current mentality to the most positive place possible, but part of it is also actually helping to manifest that reality in the most positive way that you can. You know, so it's it's faith, but beyond faith. It's actually seeing it as if it is already so. I think that that's something that Wachima facilitates is it actually erodes that barrier between what you think and and your divine knowledge. And you know, like Paul Selig says the divine self knows the small self thinks mm-hmm. and in wachuma it's it becomes almost effortless you have choice but as soon as you say yes like you're in it that you're in the knowledge 
that that is beyond faith and you can kind of like really feel it immediately yeah i mean so ted calls that and it's not his word he calls it metanoia you know that ability to see things actually see things in a different way like see someone arguing with you and see the scared hurt kid behind that argument and not actually receive what you know paul Selig would call the small self's aggravation or the ego's aggravation or that actual energy that's being put out but see the source behind it you know see mm-hmm. the sun behind the clouds so like you look up at a cloudy day metanoia you'll see the sun shining as brightly as ever and just clouds are in the way but you'll never lose sight of the sun it takes some vision right there (laughs) it takes some vision like that is the third eye eagle's eye kind of vision that everybody's talking about but that vision really comes from both the brain and the heart you know and i think putting that forward and i think that's one of the things that don howard does a great job at you know i mean he'll literally like with godsey you know right at the start of that he's godsey's looking at him and don howard points at his head and then shakes his finger and then points at his heart and it's like you come from here with the medicine and i think that's where we're able to really always see the truth from you know is to shift our perspective you know to that to that center of our body and then unify all the centers to one heart yeah exactly <laughs> and then realize that when you do that and that is the perspective shift right that perspective shift is recognized that we're all made of that heart stuff whatever that heart thing is we're all a part of that and that creates that kind of universal unicity but anyways you take the two cups <laughs> what's peak feeling for you like on two cups of what you're like, what is, what is this peak feeling? i mean they, like like i was saying it's it's the comparison to molly was out the window like i couldn't i couldn't i could no longer compare it to molly it was its own thing there were some similarities it's very heart opening very warm um but still easier. Like if you've ever had too much Molly, like you feel like there's a part of you that knows, fuck, I took too much. My jaw won't stop clicking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like I can't like, uh, you know, I'm sweating a lot, whatever like that. There was no, <laughs> it was like sad. Molly without side effects is the way I'd put I it. I mean, we were sweating and, a lot. And yeah, but it wasn't was like, <laughs> it wasn't like pop the Molly. I'm sweating. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like that at all. Yeah, you know, man, yeah. <laughs> I was just sweating because of the fucking, we're by the equator. We are in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, uh, you know, we got the, on day two, it was water day and, uh, or no, it was, it was, yeah. Earth day, Pachamama day. Mm-hmm. And so I had like, so, and, and uh, Tosh was really feeling it too. So I had like this really, uh, that coupled with the fact that everything I seek, I already have was this like beautiful gratitude for man there was beautiful gratitude in knowing we're gonna have another child you know it was like fuck yeah like we're gonna have another kid together and our family will grow you know and it was it was just so powerful because it was like fuck yeah and it was just gratitude it wasn't like when and uh, when's it going to happen and how, what's the best way to practice and plant the seed and all that bullshit. Like all that was out the window. It was just immense gratitude for the fact like, yeah, we are going to have another kid and it's, she's already here. Our daughter's coming, you know, and to, to sit with that and to feel the presence of mother earth and to, to go into the womb of mother earth, you know, in the Amazon and to be in the sacred waters, one of the arms of the Amazon that we got to play in and rub clay all over our bodies. And the, the, the level of presence that I had there was just like, it was, it was still in that play mentality, but really in appreciation for things. And it, and it shifted more from just play to play and appreciate play and have gratitude for what is, you know, and then I, I came over to you and, and uh, Aubrey and gave you the rub down with the clay, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we started doing the predator quotes. You guys <laughs> should see these men rub clay on each other in the enchanted stream. It is really beautiful. <laughs> it was amazing. Call it, but we'll Some call people it may call it something else, but we'll take really beautiful and we'll run with that, everybody. We're gonna run with that. Yeah. We'll keep it there. Yeah. But I mean, it was like like on all in all areas, just like wow, just magnified presence magnified love magnified gratitude and in a really amazing way because it had shifted from curiosity and needing to know about my intentions and the the whatever problems or issues that i was having to like this certainty and and really with that the ability to relax into 
the medicine and just be like, I don't have to worry about that shit. Like that stuff's gone, you know? And I noticed coming back to the Mesa that night, you know, we, we go back each night and we put our hands on the Mesa and tap in. I didn't notice a big connection to the Mesa on day one, but by day two, when I, when I went to the front and was looking at this incredible tapestry of a Jaguar, I felt zero. It was like the thought that I had right then was what's standing in my way of accomplishing everything that I want to accomplish. And it was fear. And right then, when you look at that fucking Jaguar, like I felt zero fear, like that shit vanished. There was just this knowing. Right. And I felt the presence. I've done, you know, 22 ayahuasca ceremonies and many other plant journeys. And I've never really had an experience with the Jaguar until that moment. And it was like, I know what that medicine is. I know what the Jaguar represents yeah, it's in that moment. Yeah. And to embody that, that was like the, the icing on the cake for an amazing second day. Yeah. So talking about the Mesa real quick, there's this, Wachuma is probably the most magical, I would say, and magical in the traditional magic sense, like in the wizardly sense of the plant medicines that I've taken because I know that you had a similar phenomenon. When we would put our two index and middle finger on the mesa, things felt about normal. But then when we put our other fingers on, it was literally like our two, our ring finger and our pinky finger were on a shelf, like two inches above the mesa. Like you could push into the, and it's just hard wood, flat hard wood. You'd like push in with your fingers and then your other fingers like wouldn't push in. And Don Howard always recommends just putting those two fingers on. And I talked to him about it the next day. He's like, yeah, well, why do you think I recommend putting the two <laughs> fingers on? But it's this, it was this crazy phenomenon. I was like, as many times as I did it, I felt the same thing. It was like my other fingers were on a shelf. I remember I sliding my hands back and forth back and with forth, all four like, fingers. Like, the, it's, there's no bump that <laughs> yeah, my fingers are going yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah. I got, and that's that kind of weird sensory distortion where you're actually energetically feeling something that's somatically happening. Like, that's unusual for me, really unusual. You know, I have visions, but never hallucinations. And this is mm. in that kind of like hallucination somatic hallucination kind of category where i mean i'm looking down at my hands they're all flat there's no shelf i'm running them back and forth and there's two fingers that feel like they're resting on you know a block and two that feel like they're depressed deeply into the hardwood and actually underneath the wood connected all the way to the earth below the wood as my heart is like tethered to the fucking sky and it's like a really weird sensation that is probably the most magical of all the psychedelics yeah it's that the mesa well for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what we're talking about exactly is it's an altar of you know essentially um it's got human skulls on it it's yeah the skulls of three female shamans from shavin three male shamans from shavin some jaguars or a stone carved lanzone, some shells from the seacoast and rocks from the mountains and whistling vessels from um, El Brujo, one of the coastal cities and, you know, weird ornaments, the giant dick-shaped snuff trays and, you know, <laughs> conquistador swords. It's the balance. It's polarity. I love it's, that. It's polarity symbolized <laughs> in, in the altar. It's in, in the shape of an old... Uh, not Christian cross, but like the old original cross where it's just two lines kind of cross forth, masculine side on the right side, feminine side on the left side. And it's it's like an altar on steroids. Yeah, everything's yeah. on steroids out <laughs> there. On, yeah. Jungle Bugs Molly. on steroids, <laughs> Molly on steroids, altar on steroids, DMT on steroids. But man, yeah, nothing makes you, like for me in my life, I don't think I've ever felt as as powerful strong and in my center as i do when i'm tapped in with my fingers on that mesa looking in that in the jaguar's eyes it's just it reminds you of your reminds you of yourself and for me that that was a big theme in my journey particularly an arrival that i came to on my second mesa was a homecoming of sorts but it was really just you know not not so much being in the jungle the first, second time i went to the jungle i just immediately wept because i was so happy to be back and I remembered, I realized how much it had done for me in the two years spanning. Since that point, now it's been four years since my first time to the jungle. And for me, I thought, you know, I'd ball my eyes out being there. But really, it was more of a homecoming of myself 
finally at long last, you know, having a real sense of completion and, um, and strength within me that I was reminded of there and able to, and able to acknowledge in a very, you know, very true way. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I think for me on that day, and I, w- I would like at some point to read some of my notes that I put out in the newsletter um, and just talk about those. But I think for me that day was also the day um, where I started to kind of recognize like this overwhelming theme that the mother will provide. And by the mother, I meant earth itself, you know, and then I think I get, I was getting focused on which aspect of the mother was going to provide, which human manifestation of the mother which could be male or female or whoever was going to provide the nourishment for my body and my soul my psyche and what i really found was that anytime i needed something kind of like what happens at burning man right like it said the plia will provide it was like anytime i needed something it would be there for me if i needed a banana well somebody didn't wouldn't have to even be one of our close friends there somebody would come up with a banana or if i my hand hurt and i was rubbing my hand then you know lauren who's one of the other people there she just started rubbing my hand and i was feeling kind of lonely and olga came up to me and started rubbing my head and and i was like wow you know like this is and you and you came and rubbed clay on my shoulders when i was like my shoulders were stressed and like this overwhelming feeling of just trusting that you may not know how it's going to get done or what way it's going to work but ultimately the earth like manifestation physical dimension polarity will ultimately provide if you're open to it and you open yourself up to that energy and you send out that here i'm ready to receive and get out of that blocking posture that we get in which you're blocking for fear fear of rejection fear of all of these things that blocks all of this incoming love that's available if you just shed that and open yourself to it there'll be sources that are coming in all over the place and that's exactly what happens at burning man you go into a container where you give yourself permission to have that supreme faith that everything is going to be taken care of and in that permission that you by your own free will allow it happens you know yeah yeah we have that available to us at all times really we just don't i mean and the more people are tapped into that the more people who you're around who are conscious it works better it works better at burning man it works better in the jungle because (laughs) people are paying attention you know Mm. people are open to receiving your signal and we have an agreement we have a fundamental sense of oneness and self with each other and a a sense of what they call aini which is the quechua word for reciprocity like this idea of the give and take and the mutual support of each other but i think we can be in denial of that in our own delusion lost and unable to receive those signals from other people and then also unable to send those signals or unwilling to send those signals ourselves. but the more open we get and the more open the people around us the easier that all works so in a conscious environment like the playa or like the jungle shit works mm-hmm. <laughs> shit works you don't have to ask for stuff you know it'll it'll happen for you just fucking bad just fucking rad it's it's the absence of fear too that's really the separating factor um at least a a great diminishing of fear i wouldn't say fear was totally absent from our experience but that's really what's what's constantly creating that separation at all times i think especially for women too like in a in the regular world the mitote (laughs) um we have a guard up just instinctively because you know we have to be kind of aware and like at places like burning the man metote, the metote that caitlin is referencing is uh, a word that don miguel ruiz uses in the toltec tradition it literally translates as marketplace and that is the public opinion of everybody shouting their own projections on you oh you're not pretty you need to look this way you should do this go to an ivy league school if you're going to be successful you're you know artist never makes money whatever these stories that people are shouting at you all the time and by shouting it could be just their unspoken opinion or the way they look at you or the way they think or all of that that can start to form and shape our dream and the idea in the toltec tradition is to become 
Nagual or an artist who can paint your own masterpiece outside of the, you know, paint that's trying to be thrown on you by a million different people in a marketplace who are trapped in their own game. So, yeah, freedom from the mentote, you know, which comes with fearlessness, allows you mm -hmm. to be the artist of your own life. And that's really what a big part of the week for me was, again, recognizing, remembering, and re kind of re allowing myself to reimagine who who I truly am and and shedding all of that you know when I think when you take away makeup and showers then <laughs> you have like a tiny little square mirror and your your focus is is just in love and in growth and you're connected with your environment so much all of those stories get to fall away and it's it's just a really beautiful space to be in like for me the medicine isn't as by any means as vision vision oriented as a lot of other medicine we've all done work together you know I, I've done the aboga journey with Aubrey actually and um and ayahuasca journeys and um this I couldn't describe it as anything comparable to those because for me it doesn't have the visual elements but it has this this oneness about it this this sort of like unification that happens with you that that sheds all of the identity that distorts your perception. Yeah, it's like a, it's really cuts to the truth of things to a, to a great degree. And, but we'll bring up all of the delusion along the way. Oh, and yeah. I think, um, to go through it. you know, I, I think, yeah, you have to really, anything that's, anything that's there, you have to pass through the clouds to get back to the sun. It's not like it disperses them for you. And I, and I honestly think that's the difference between MDMA and, and Wachuma. <laughs> I feel like MDMA kind of is like, these clouds are fucking gone. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> here's the sun. Like, I can't avoid it. I wouldn't avoid it. Or if you I just tried. love the clouds. You're like, yeah. oh my God, the clouds are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. right? This one is like, you have to like really keep choosing to sort through the cloud. Like, it won't force you. It won't force you to universal love. Yeah. It, it like, and that's good and bad you know i think for some people it's better if you choose it because then it's your choice and then you've owned it you know but for some people who would be like if someone was suffering from ptsd like a really gnarly mdma for sure before wachuma you know like don't make them have to do the extra work yet like maybe have them do wachuma after their three rounds of mdma assisted psychotherapy where they can choose to get back to that state of mind but why not take the Mr. Toad's wild ride to love, you know, as your first option, you know, I would say like, that's, you know, there's value in both, but, but, you know, the ability to choose that, to look at an environment. Cause like, look at day three, day three, we were supposed to go to a secluded beach and it was like motherfucking a pizza out there. Oh my God. Like what was it a was secluded spring break in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was a secluded beach all to ourselves two years ago was goddamn Cancun. When we, when we arrive, blasted <laughs> yeah. on Wachuma so, and we're out there. Everybody was, we had all been kind of hyping it and we we're like, oh, the last day, guys, like the people who hadn't been yet. Secluded you know, you, beach. Secluded beach. Just the first time we're all just laying on our backs, watching the clouds breathe and just, <laughs> just totally tapped in. And it was, I mean, it was a day I'll never forget. I won't forget this day either, but for different <laughs> reasons, you know, we come cruising up and, um, and it is definitely a Peruvian holiday out there yeah, it was and like people Peruvian having coronas day. there were some guys kind of lurking on the yeah. <laughs> on the girls in I mean, the bikinis there was fucking and cardi b playing <laughs> truly <laughs> at one point truly <laughs> i thankfully was um able i was just in a really good place this whole week actually but i was able to um to feel connected to everything anyway but a lot of people were not feeling it like a couple of our group had our group had to go out to the absolute farthest stretch of sand and kind of like cover their ears so they could try to stay in their space and and you do have to kind of make that choice i i remember like in that particular day i i just really chose to be with it and you know find the god in other things find the find the connection in other ways like the little you know even the decaying to speak to your like unification your unification and the divinity that you saw and everything that you've you've talked to, touched on so far you know all the decaying plants and like 
I was peeing in them for a moment and I was just like, this is me too. Like this just brush on the side of the, and the, and the matote over there, you know, that has crept into our sacred space, so to speak. Um, and even Natasha was rubbing my back and I could feel her, like, I felt like her arms were, I wrote in my journal, like, uh, that her fingers and hands were an extension of her lioness heart. Mm. And it, I could feel that energy. So, it was just, but I had to make that choice, and because I've had the advantage of being in that space before, navigating it and saying, like, okay, I know where I've pulled back and where I've been apprehensive to allow. You know, this time I'm gonna allow, and this time I'm gonna welcome it in, and it it makes a big difference. But you have to choose. Yeah, and and I think that's the beauty of Don Howard. Like Don Howard could have turned the boats around, but oh, that old yeah. wizard knows better than that. <laughs> yeah, the old wizard's like, oh. So this is the challenge for the people now. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you going to deal with Cancun <laughs> secluded beach versus secluded beach? You know, he made a comment like, look what happened to our beach. But we disembarked and he found his place in the woods and he just let us sort it out. He didn't tell us which way to go. He didn't tell because it's life. You know, like, do we want to engage with that kind of energy? What does that, what insight does it give us to that beach party energy that we might take back and look at the next beach party like whoa or, yeah. or and whatever can we give we it do. love and can when, we give it love or are we gonna like be hiding from it every time we hear it get annoyed by it you know like that's another choice too like oh my god i can't believe there's people here what is this person thinking mm -hmm. you could first for sure engage that thought and certainly people in the group were engaging those thoughts did they have a better time or did the people who were like oh wow look it's a beach party <laughs> not what i expected but here we are Oh, Cardi B. Wow, that's funny to listen to Cardi B blasted on mescaline right now. You know, like, that's interesting. You know, and poor Eric Godsey was not only... He was sick. He yeah. was super sick. Um, maybe if you guys ever talk about it again, you got to get his account. But he And I was, like, super concerned about him, which was another interesting experience because I was able to be in my own experience for the most of the week. And then as soon as someone I loved was, like, in peril it started to pull at my attention and I had to, again, make a choice. I really saw that. I'm like, okay, fear's coming in and my attention is being drawn away to something that I really can't fix right now. And I think a lot of time in our day-to-day, -day, fear hooks us and then we get stuck on that thing that we can't do anything about anyway, you know, either because it's imaginary or it's out of our control. So I just stayed in that awareness and allowed myself to energetically approach it instead of mentally dwelling on it and trying to work with my heart energy and like we work with visual energy and and kind of help heal him you know to the best of my psychic abilities which may be zero but it was the first time I'd allowed myself to explore that fear space without with awareness and you can I think that was a really good exercise kind of bringing that back and saying okay I'm feeling something's really like capturing my attention and pulling me out of my paradise. And what can I do energetically to just own that and try to heal it instead of harping on it or, you know. Yeah, it's not a matter of ignoring it because you can't ever ignore it. You got to deal with it. And mm -hmm. I think that's the lesson. Like it's not, you got to reconcile it. You got to integrate whatever you're feeling and come to terms with it in a way. I think we have this idea, oh, just put it out of your mind. Like, well, where does it go, do you think? Do you think when it goes out of your conscious mind, it just goes into your subconscious unless you, like, actually deal with that shit. And yeah. so you couldn't just, like, la, la, la. Like, maybe in a normal life, you could put on some different music, do a different thing, and move away from Eric Godsey, and then yeah. it would get out of your mind. Yeah. But you'd still have those feelings. Well, but that's it, the thing. In the medicine, it was almost like I had this radius of awareness that I could feel, and then there was this thing yanking on it. You know, and it's uh -huh. Eric sitting over there shivering in his towel with a fever. <laughs> um, and then there's my fear going, did he get bit by a spider? Is he going to die tonight? You know, don't tell him that. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like me and Natasha are just <laughs> trying to mother him. And, and then I'm like, okay, this isn't really like going to help anything. So I really could see how much I do that in my life. I allow something, be it financial or, you know, future and imagine, imagined. I just allow it to pull my attention out of, out of heaven and into hell and just and working with that something we do constantly i did that so the same day i had that similar thing happen so two days before we were in the enchanted stream um i got some water in my ear and i was trying to like shake it out on the mesa that night because i noticed it but i never really got it out and then i just kind of went to sleep well 
the air mace of the third the last day i had like my ear felt like pressure in it and i was like oh no here it comes i got some kind of parasite in my ear it's going into my brain for sure (laughs) it's gonna be fucking and i'm like trying to shake it out and then i like try to get some alcohol in it um from the fucking i was using the singato uh singato alcohol yeah (laughs) we'll talk about that before the um before the vilka but then the last the last day like it was just kind of constantly bothering me you know and i was like my attention kept being drawn to this physical stimulus and that's a pattern that shows up for me in life a lot like i'll get a tickle in my nose like oh god here comes the sinus infection or here's here's this thing or whatever is going on i exacerbate the actual feeling and layer on all kinds of suffering on top like maybe i have the crust of pain but i've bake a whole big ass <laughs> apple pie of suffering <laughs> on top of that crust of pain you know <laughs> seven layered pour, yeah, pouring whipped cream on <laughs> it and then, mm, let's Dessert let, time. Put, oh i got crust here pain great let's layer it in let's pack it in let's serve it to me daily till i'm fucking sick and eventually i i had to make like all right there's nothing i can do about this i don't have any ear treatment there's something you can do and and some part of me probably knows probably you hypochondriacal <laughs> motherfucker nothing's wrong at all yeah. you know like it's just a little pressure in here like so i had i had gunter who was next to me on my left i was like hey man just blow some apacho in my ear and i was like <laughs> and i knew it wouldn't physically do anything but i was like this is just what i told myself as soon as he blows that mapacho in my ear i'm going to trust that i've done the best that i can and i'm going to let it be and i was able to pretty much do that but i had to make that conscious choice of like Here's a symbolic gesture of doing what I can do, which is pretty much nothing. <laughs> except it's, that's except exact, that's you know? hilarious. And that's then, exactly what I did with Godzi. I ultimately had to sit on the boat right home and just imagine, visualize myself going into his bloodstream and cleaning out blood, white blood cells. That's what I was doing. I was like shoveling magic them out. School bus. It was magic school bus scene because he goes, uh-huh. you know, the magic school bus and it's like a little school bus that goes down into the into the body and <laughs> cleans it up. So I went in my magic school bus because what else are you going to do out in the middle of the nope, jungle with nothing. no fucking tools? And that was like one of my favorite takeaways was like, oh, wow, I can just go on a magic school bus ride every time I... I get afraid of something in my life when I get home. And why not? And just do that and know that you've done what you can and then let it be. Exactly. You know, like there, you may not have the ability to change all of these things instantly, but do something, whatever that might be, energetically, <laughs> physically, and then know that you've done your shit. Yeah. What a fun playground to, yeah. I mean, or just, it's like a, a it's just practice, <laughs> it's practice for life. Much like yeah. sport is practice for life too. You know, I think, we've particularly probably me and Kyle I think we played more sports than you but so many lessons about life you learn in training and you learn in competition and you learn in situations that put you in uncomfortable spots that are really highlighted where multiple people are looking at you like are you going to be terrified of your performance because your self-worth is wrapped up in how many points you score well here's a good way to practice that you know Mm -hmm. external validation versus internal validation you know, have your whole school watch you play basketball. <laughs> you know, like, you'll have to grapple with some of that shit. How are you going to respond? You know what I think? Uh, I think a lot of us, even who don't play sports, or put, intentionally put ourselves in these positions of challenge. We do it more than we give ourselves credit for. I think we forget that we call in a lot of challenging experiences, um, be it on, like, a spiritual level or just a subconscious level of, you know, we might be getting hit with hardship over and over again, and it's like... It's that opportunity to step in and grow and learn about yourself. And we all are constantly feeling victimized and really not taking into account like the great divine knowledge that is behind our existence and how it might be working through these challenging experiences to to cultivate those kinds of growth opportunities. So, I mean, I haven't been playing sports, but I've had a lot of shit yeah, that all, I've had to battle through. Way. You know? We have to find it in our way or we'll you call it, it in. Yeah, you call, we'll it, call in. it in. And even like, the calling it in, I think, is a bit of a blessing sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just being mindful that it's taking ownership of it again. It's saying, all a blessing. It it's the metanoia for the event as it's happening. So as something unfortunate happens, you know, you don't look at it. Like for me, I, again, last night dealing with the same thing. I ripped my fucking fingernail off in a freak sliding glass door accident random and then i i I like hurt my meniscus on my knee and so i'm like hobbling around one hand is debilitated one knee is i'm getting my ass kicked (laughs) 
But like, there's an opportunity to then not look at these as injuries, but look at these as opportunities. And if I do that, then it starts to shift. Well, this is an opportunity to slow down, to like be more mindful of what I'm doing, to focus my priority on less physical things and more emotional, psychic things. And what is this invitation? Every and if I look tiny at it like that, choice like that just has ex- exponential benefit in yeah. your life. All right, well, let's go to Vilka, <laughs> and we're gonna let Kyle lead off this one. This one right here. Me and Caitlin shared the Vilka Vilka ritual as part of our lead up to the uh, the bead exchange ceremony, which we might not get to in this podcast, but we'll talk about that at some point. Um, but for you, <laughs> as as one would hope and expect, <laughs> you went deep. <laughs> talk to us about your Vilka experience. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it's. It's funny because I didn't really have, I didn't know what it was. I mean, I'm familiar with 5-MeO-DMT and NMDMT and ayahuasca, but I've never done Vilca. And so I tried to leave expectation off. And at the point that I was at from the downloads I was receiving from Wachuma and everything that had happened already, there wasn't necessarily this deep uh, yearning for knowledge or a need to, to know or experience anything specific. So for I, I, I would say like it really was just about like, all right, let's let's see what happens. And it's not often that I have that as an intention, especially with something new. But, um, you know, t- my, Tosh went first and then I went and uh, I just kind of stayed up there and looked at Don Howard and he gave me the head nod and I went some more. And uh, and then it finally felt like railroad spikes up the nose. And I was like, all right, <laughs> we're there. And I uh, grabbed Did you Tosh's- go finger bone or seal bone? Finger bone. Finger I don't bone. think anybody went, finger well, bone table. went single. single. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is used. It's an used D4. It's 3,000 years old. That was great. King of understatements. But yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we were walking back, and you know, it's all red wood on this long bridge. You get back to the room, and all of a sudden, as I'm walking with her, Tasha's already super deep. She's half expecting to see people laid out across the bridge, like, Oh, see you later. Have a good journey. You know, like stepping yeah, over yeah, bodies, yeah. like they couldn't make it to the room because that's how fast it hits you. And I saw all the red posts turn bright lime green with arrows pointing forward. <laughs> like it was incorrect. Here you go. This is the way. And I was like, oh shit. And so I actually started walking <laughs> quicker with her, holding her hand. And uh, we make it back to the room. And as it as it started for me, I was confused about what to do because it was coming on so quick. Like, do we leave the light on? And I was like, no, turn the light off. And then I kind of fumbled around and I ended up grabbing the bucket and put it on my on my uh, groin and laid down. And like, all right, I'm ready. Groin bucket. You know, huh? my groin bucket. <laughs> well, I just have it laying there on my lap. And I lay back and very, I mean, not long after, I started to puke. And so Tosh hears me, but she, I mean, I'm floored. Like I can't even sit up. I don't feel my body anymore. Yeah. So right away, I just feel this ball come up through my, my belly button into my throat. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) and my wife was five feet from me is like, Kyle, Kyle. And she looks over and she realized like, I'm not sitting up. I'm just laying there choking on my own puke and then in my left ear i hear the like she jumps out of bed and like starts shaking me kyle kyle are you okay in my left ear this whisper comes in swallow and i swallow my own puke (laughs) (laughs) this story just gets nastier everybody and uh yeah that's not the grossest and uh i'm like fuck so i swallow it and then i'm like i'm okay pal i'm okay and so she's like okay and goes and sits back down she's like fuck this i don't want to do this anymore you know like she had just her fight or flight kicked in you know she yeah, thought yeah, i was gonna yeah. die literally not figuratively and so <laughs> she, that kind of robbed her of her experience but um you know mine just went deeper and deeper i, I sat up after having swallowed the puke and then really let it out because i was like that's fucking gross and just let it all out and as I was letting it out, you know, this only happened once before. Aubrey was there where I had smoked DMT on a very large <laughs> amount of other psychedelics. And I have these very long, loud, audible exhales. You know, like I would take a deep <laughs> breath and... Oh, <laughs> and 
and keep going. And it is so quiet. It's very quiet at this point. Yeah. It is like dead They're silent. Like, whatever like, you do, do not speak to each other. Almost the insects had stopped just out of <laughs> yeah. reverence for the sacred that was there. And then we just hear this. And I think the only person that wasn't actually concerned about that sound was me because I was like, Oh, I know what's happening. That's just Kyle because I, I watched you do it on the. I thought it was a lawnmower, which made no sense. I was like, "There's a lawnmower oh. somewhere." <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, Kyle's going off." Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I had all sorts of. I felt like a fucking sock puppet. Like, like you know, like when you when you have to puke, it's not a choice. Like sometimes in ayahuasca, you're like, "All right, I think I should puke," and you try and you can or you can't. But a lot of times for me, it's like this knee jerk reaction. Like the doctor hits you in the kneecap and your leg kicks. Right. So as I, as I would take a deep breath, like it would just come through me and I would listen to myself doing this. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. And I, and I kind of became self-conscious a bit like, fuck, there goes the noble silence. Like Right now. And, um, as I thought that I, I could feel everyone at the same time so as as i would get louder it was like tentacles reaching out into the cosmos and touching everything and everyone at the same time and i even say that like after oh everyone oh and top <laughs> starts cracking up because i felt everyone and everyone's hands came into me at spirit quest and touched me and they're like it's okay mm. kyle get it go for it <laughs> yeah, it might yeah, be yeah. you and you're like get it brother yeah and um <laughs> and uh Right then when I had that encouragement, I thought of the word, the name Kyle. And I was like, and again, I had this, this kind of self-deprecating thought, like that's not a special name. And right then I saw a family tree go up two lines to circles with my mom and my dad, then two more from each of them to all my grandparents. And all those circles were blank except for my father's father, which is granddad. And right when I saw granddad's name in the circle, I felt granddad with me right there. And that's the first ceremony I've ever felt the presence of a dead relative or anybody that I've been in contact with. And it was cool because he was abusive and a dick and like nobody wanted, I mean, like he was, my dad is the oldest of five and it was very hard for my dad and my upbringing from my dad's upbringing. You know what I'm saying? Like that lineage Mm. to feel that, but then to know like, Here's my granddad out of body in full support of what's going on here. It was mm. fucking cool. And then in an instant, it went like straight back through every culture that had used plant medicines to the first um, pyramid cultures. And I could see like these ancient pyramids in Peru. And I felt that lineage of the Shavin. I felt the lineage of the plant medicine people that had worked with all this, the discovery of this technology from day one and immediately started saying, teach, 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 teach. <laughs> and it's out loud, like, you're saying this out loud. <laughs> and Tasha at this point is just fucking losing it. She's laughing, she's, she's laughing, she's enjoying it. And I'm, I'm just listening to myself, teach. And right then I could, I could see all the ways we teach this path, this medicine path to work with the plants. And I saw you, Aubrey, and Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, myself, uh, all on the podcast, communicating our experiences and talking about what the, you know, what's capable, what are the, what are the possibilities with these uh, technologies? And then Michael Pollan with the book and you with the book coming up and, and Jim Fadiman. And it just, I saw that, but then what cemented in me was um, you know, cause I've, I've been called at different times as we've spoken about to become a medicine man, to learn this, whether that's the a shaman or not, that that's up for grabs, but really to have a deeper understanding and level of knowledge to work with these plants. And over time, my focus has shifted, you know, like I really don't care about providing space and things like that in a way that I did, um, you know, just less than a year ago. But in that moment, I felt like the torch was being handed to me. And I realized every, all these cultures pass this down through apprenticeship, you know? So it was like, all right, I will be an apprentice. I will learn this. It may take 30 or 40 years, but this is what's going to happen. And then I will give that down. I will hand that to my son or to somebody for the next generation to pass Mm -hmm. that on, you know, in a way that you can't read about. Right. And that was the calling. It was fucking. That's the only way you pass this down, you know, definitive. yeah. Yeah experience and i think it's an interesting timing for that is you know because don howard's last retreat on the books is coming up here this august and the lineage that he has resurrected and brought um 
may be carried out by his daughter, Selva, who's young and has a lot of potential. I think we saw that there, but it's still only 16. So there's a question of what happens next and where this goes. But I think all of us had, a, and myself especially, had a sense of comfort knowing that enough of the Shavin way and enough of that ceremony is now in our hearts that we can be ambassadors along with everybody else who's been touched there there and, is a, and help to provide that. There's a moment on day one of ceremony that Don Howard came up to me, put his hand on me and I put my hand back on his heart and he said, I'm always with you. And for me, that was a call. It's a call to service, you know, it's um, to be in that space and, and to be able to carry this forward for all of us, I think. And for everybody even listening, I think the medicine works for a long time and it works in lots of beautiful ways that aren't just by consuming the cup. Um, and we have, there was a sense of purpose and, and duty in that ceremony space for sure being the la one of the last times that he may ever ever hold yeah the Masada. i remember uh, i was he was sitting in front of me on the boat it was the second day and i was on a boat separate from all you guys and i started to get a little emotional thinking about um don howard passing from this life and his consciousness just came to me and goes well where do you think i'm gonna go brother <laughs> i was like oh yeah oh yeah yeah. I mean, and then we just kind of laughed together in our own mind's eye and just understanding that his presence and his teachings will, you know, live on through through all of us. And that's happened for so many generations before us. It gives me chills thinking of it. I mean, that's why we're sitting here having this conversation, because so the all of the teach, great teachers and masters that came, you know, before Don Howard and he was able to hold on to that. But what a beautiful human epic you know human story we were part of and we get to perpetuate and hopefully hold this thing together together mm -hmm. you know it's pretty amazing so i'm officially going to call this as part one of this podcast because <laughs> we have to talk about our vilka experience i want to talk about tribe i want to talk about um you know kind of what our learnings were in the social dynamic because i think ultimately the the challenges that kind of came up in the social dynamic led to solutions that I think are universally applicable, understandings about communication and truth that I think for any social group are gonna be really valuable. And uh, I say we uh, we keep this conversation going. Hell yeah. I'm oh, in. Yeah. All right, but sounds good. In. Well, part one <laughs> is concluded. I love you, fam. Stay tuned for part two. Talk soon, guys. Peace. Thanks for tuning in, fam. Go back to the iTunes if you want to listen to part two. And of course, like I mentioned in the intro, please follow Kyle Kingsbury and Caitlin Howe on their social. They have a lot of amazing things to say. And of course, go to AubreyMarcus.com, subscribe to the newsletter. I'm dropping all kinds of hidden gems there every week and filling you guys in on my day-to-day. -day. So I deeply appreciate that. And you'll hear from me really soon.